Welcome, everybody, to the Photography Brothers podcast. We have a really exciting podcast in store for you today. And let me tell you right now, when you went into your app of choice and you clicked on this podcast, you made an excellent decision because not only am I here, Jared Poirier, your photography brother, I'm also joined by another incredibly talented photographer and creative known as oh uh, michael hi i'm michael <laughs> nice to meet you michael who forgot that uh, podcasting is an audio format and if he raises his hand to say hello to you you can't see that <laughs> <laughs> well in all fairness how was i supposed to know if you were going to say my name or not i was uh, waiting for that second you know i, I never have well, you're like, and, well, I'm joined by, and I know, but you was, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like the structure of how we do it. Anyways, it's not important. It's not important. We're here. We have Michael Costa. He's drinking a coffee. We have Jared Poirier. He's drinking a coffee too. Hey. We're here. We're your photography brothers. We've been shooting videos and photos like crazy. And, uh, and we've learned a couple of things along the way. And we're here to share some of that with you uh whether that be things that we've been nailing where we can tell you uh some some advice uh or things where we've been failing and we can uh kind of share some i guess some wisdom from from that perspective as well of uh mm -hmm. you know all the things that you learn when you fail at one thing or another and uh when michael costa brought this topic to me i uh what did i say michael when you said when you brought today's topic i think you said like absolutely perfect or, or something like that absolutely the perfect topic which is which is um it's essentially like the the difficulty of finding balance at different commitment levels mm -hmm. um in your career so um for for jared you know he he's a full-time creative um, which brings its own uh, hurdles. And for me, I, I am, I guess, what you would call an after hours creative. So mm -hmm. um, that typically you find somebody in that kind of position when, you know, it's a newer business, you're still trying to figure it out, build clients, uh, that kind of thing. And so, you know, as it suggests, you probably have a nine to five that kind of pays the bills, kind of gets you going um, so that you can also fund and continue to grow your uh, photography business. For sure, yeah, um, so it's, that's, it's a yeah. work-life balance thing, you know? It's a real buzzword, yeah. work-life balance, and that's uh, definitely what we're going to be talking about here. Or, sorry, I feel like I cut you off there, buddy. Go ahead. No, no, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting, though. Like, um, you know, I, I, for one, am also interested in hearing, you know, what Jared's going to say and, and to have that um, insight, because for me, I'm you know, I'm hoping to be in that position sooner rather than later. And so to have that idea and to plan around, you know, some of the hurdles that Jared has faced going into, uh, you know, as he, you know, again, is a full time creative, um, what kind of things should I kind of keep top of mind as I transition? And so that's going to be interesting for me. But, mm -hmm. you know, just to kind of speak to to some of the, the hurdles that I've had um, that I go through as a as a part time or, or as a after hours photographer. I don't like saying part time. There's still a, a heavy commitment and time obligation to it. But um, I, for one, there's demotivation, right? So um, you know, doing tons of reporting or, or technical blog writing, heading in and out of Excel spreadsheets, like it's not the most exciting thing in the world, right? Like when you want to get amped up to do something. You want to watch other people like doing it. So, you know, I'd watch a Peter McKinnon video or something like that. So coming off of a job um, where I'm doing the furthest possible thing from than being from being creative, um, sometimes that can be um, uh, it can hurt the creative mm -hmm. process and, and wanting to to do that thing. Um, you know, the other thing is hours um, in a couple ways that affects you, you know, in one way it's, um, you know, Look, at the end of the day, if it's the primary source of income, you need to prioritize it. So, you know, when someone has an interesting and urgent idea that has to get done, uh, if there is a debt, there are deadlines, there are things like that that has to come first, um, which sometimes means that, you know, I don't get to creating my content or or working on a client's work until, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night. How long are you willing to stay up? You know, that's another thing. 
Um, the other aspect to hours is just uh, coordination with your clients is in regards to uh, maybe meeting or even to um, shooting or capturing content, right? For the most part, your client's going to want you to to do so during their working hours. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, when you're working a nine to five, your working hours and their working hours tend to line up decently well and in a really unfortunate way. So you end up having to shoot a lot of content on weekends, um, which isn't ideal. You want to have your, you know, you're going to do work on weekends, but you do want to have your time to obviously relax and, and buckle down. Uh, you don't want your your passion to come across as a, as a burden, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, essential to take a little time off, have a little bit of downtime. Exactly. And so really, I think, um, you know, from my position, it's it's just a lot of like having to put up with it or having to work around it a lot. Um, and I find that that can be demotivating sometimes and it can be um um, and that's you know what sometimes it can be motivating sometimes you come off a really bad day and, and you really want to just do the opposite of that like whatever you just you just want to burst out some creativity put a video out but um it, it is kind of hard to get into that headspace sometimes yeah definitely. how about you jared no it's really cool that you're uh bringing the perspective of somebody who is uh you know working a regular nine to five job and how they find the time to get into that creative uh passion project that you were talking about i also are coming i'm personally coming from uh, a bit of a different standpoint here so i think that that's actually going to be an asset for us as you were saying that you can kind of present that uh, the person who is like working a nine to five and I can come from the perspective of a full time uh, creative and then we're approaching like the same thing as uh, work life balance. I also really love this topic uh, because personally for my life, like the the topic of work life balance right now has been like, whoa, 100% what we need to be focused on. Um, been pushing really hard on my business. I've been trying to do a daily vlog. uh, And on top of that, like shooting some stuff for clients and editing a lot and being able to balance all of that has like, honestly, I have to be honest and frank with uh, everybody here on the podcast that I've been struggling a little bit, uh, maybe working a little bit too hard and not quite taking care of myself. I also love the topic because I think that this is a, a really accessible topic that's going to, you yeah. know, have a little bit more broad appeal here on the Photography Brothers. Sometimes we get a little into our jargon. We're talking about f-stops. We're talking shutter speeds. <laughs> we're talking everything. We're talking 4K, frogs. 8K. We're talking frogs. We're talking <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, but today, really, I think this is going to be a relatable episode, right? So. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to get into it. Um, from my perspective, I mean, I do relate to a lot of the stuff that you were saying, Michael, in my past life uh, as a bartender and also when I was uh, one of the managers of the Toronto Vista Print. I had my, uh, you know, job that I did, whether it was full time or part time. Uh, I still had some time after work to work on my creative stuff. And uh, yeah, that can definitely be tough when you're trying to edit your video or edit your photos. Plus, like then, you know, jump uh, in the shower. (laughs) You're still thinking about editing your photos and your videos and then you're running down to work. You're showing up a little bit late and things like that. So definitely uh, a struggle. Um, But don't think that just if you do transition into the role of full-time creative, which uh, is what I've done now with my company Galaxy. I'm able to generate enough income that I don't have to have another job. Uh, And don't think that that is, once you reach that point, it's just like, boom, everything's perfect. I kick Mm -hmm. my feet up. You know me, Michael. I've always got my feet kicked up. I'm always smoking a cigar. (laughs) I'm always getting on my private jets and flying around, right? So um, yeah, yeah. so don't don't really expect that just because if you if basically the transition would be that like you've got your full time gig now, you're going to start doing some stuff on the side. And when you transition over to having uh, a full time creative income, there are still a lot of challenges in balancing you know, balancing your your work and your yeah. life, and it doesn't just become easier right there. Yeah, I can imagine. Like when you're when you're a full time creative, one at least one thing I can kind of foresee is um, there is the additional pressure mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. that being, like you mentioned, that being the primary source. And then there's also the fact that like you dictate how much time you spend, yeah, and you dictate 
how much you want to get done. Yeah. And that can be a dangerous, like you mentioned, like it can be hard to, I can imagine that being hard to, to manage the balance of. Yeah, definitely, man. And like this year, especially it's been hard, um, you know, coming out of 2020 where I like, yeah. I'll be honest, I did pull the business out of a, a bit of a tailspin and now we're generating like really good income comparable to some of the best times in the business ever, actually better than nice. we've ever done before. Uh, and you know, I'm able to get that momentum up again. And there's just that like fear of, you know, those, those bad months that everybody faced in like March and April and like the, the crazy uncertainty of that. And like, man, everything that I've worked for, like, I'm trying to be as honest as possible. Like at that point, you know, April, March, 2020, I was like, everything that I've worked for, is it for not like, did I waste my time building this business? Am I screwed? Cause like yeah. <laughs> I, I shoot photos and videos of like events and stuff, man. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I started to kind of worry. And, and now that I've been able to pull myself out of that and I've, I've replaced that with other sources of income, whether it be doing live streams or whether it be, um, you know, doing more content or more video editing has been, uh, the biggest one, uh, and not w like being afraid, honestly, of, uh, of going back to, to a position where, uh, the business isn't thriving as much as it is right now and kind of having that weird thing in my head where I'm like, I got to work freaking all the time, every hour that I can work. Right. And that's obviously not healthy. And it's obviously also not true. Like I have a team now of people I can rely yeah. upon other people. Right. And, uh, and the business model and the process of everything. And it, it, you know, it's definitely, uh, it's a fallacy on one side to say that like the business owner, the creative, uh, full-time creative is just kicking back. Um, but it's also a fallacy to say like, you have to work 60 hours a week or you have to, you know, do, you have to take on projects that you don't want, or you have to do everything that your clients say, like having mm -hmm. some, uh, having some boundaries is definitely important. Maybe taking like one day off a week or something like that. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> one day. Um, I haven't yeah, taken a honestly, day off in forever, man. I honestly haven't. I like. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, since since like the long break that I took at the end of December, it's been go go go. I actually, yeah, like I, I foresee that being the most difficult part for me is like that transition and then like trying to establish balance, mm -hmm. um, because like especially as creatives, like, out we are naturally outside of the box thinkers and we always have ideas. We always have things we want to do. And so when it becomes your full-time job to almost do that and think outside the box and do that kind of thing, like it's hard, I would assume it'd be hard to draw that line and be like, Oh wait, hold on. Like, like I gotta, I gotta like take care of me. I got to, to balance my time with my loved ones and, mm -hmm. and do the thing, other things that also bring me excitement and, and whatever, right? Which also bring new perspectives and whatever it and can help you um, in, improve your creativity as well and in your vision. But I actually, yeah, like that, that it's, it kind of freaks me out. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, but I, I, yeah, man, like I totally, I, I can totally see, I can totally see that. And I feel like the main reason that you've been able to keep things going is like, you've been willing to adapt and and like, I think being an entrepreneur, like, especially a full-time entrepreneur, like, yep, you, you have to have a good relationship with, with change. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, especially like the pandemic, like you've like, you know, you've talked to me about some of the, the things that you've done and it's just really smart outside the box thinking. Um, Thanks, and so it helps when you have that relationship with change because it takes some of that pressure off because you don't feel like you're locked into into a box, right? Yeah, certainly. I definitely have, it's a weird problem to have. <laughs> I, I honestly love my work uh, and owning a business is something that uh, it allows me to do what I love to do. I don't have a boss. There's so many good things about yeah. it. It allows me to uh, to set my own time, like you were saying, when I wanna work and when I wanna not. But the really hard part, especially since I enjoy what I do so much is like, you're right like transferring over like being able to sit down and work hard on something and focus on it and get excited about it because i do like when i nail some color grading or, or something or like a transition yeah. or whatever on my uh in premiere and i'm like oh man this looks so good or when i first learned masking i was like oh man i'm learning more premiere stuff <laughs> and uh yeah being able to like go from being excited about that 
and then you know being uh being able to kind of switch gears and actually chill out and actually take care of uh you know to be more specific my girlfriend masha my dog sonia you know get away from um the the thing that i'm so excited to be doing but there there are other exciting things in life right and yeah exactly, as a creative yeah. as uh as an artist like obsession is uh, a real thing right and <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh we talk about photography here but we also talk about uh, other forms of art like uh filmmaking and um music and stuff like that mm -hmm. and kind of broadly how it's really interesting how like certain um certain themes continue to come up uh and one is definitely like the obsession of the artist right when you have people like prince uh who would be staying up all night he would kick all the musicians out and be like i'm gonna record this myself and they'd be like yo you should go to bed and he's like if i don't record this song tonight michael jackson will record it tomorrow like that level of obsession <laughs> right yeah. And then, you know, to your Stanley Kubricks and all these other crazy uh, directors, right, who will do anything yeah. for art. So, uh, you know, obsession can it can produce results sometimes, but uh, I think it also can be a detriment. And that's really like the biggest thing that I need to get uh, to get good at now, man, I think. Um, I'm good at working hard. <laughs> I'm good at having a vision. I'm good at getting like other people invested in what I'm doing, I guess, like to get other people to like believe in what we're doing together. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, being able to, to switch that kind of, you know, motivated, I guess, and like hardworking brain off and just chill out is also really important, right? You got to, uh, you got to put some gas back in the tank to, to come back to your work. Right. Yeah. Those are some, those are some good tips, man. Um, I think for, for anyone who's watching, who's kind of going through that nine to five thing, and that's, that's kind of your, uh, your perspective right now. I think one thing that's kind of helping me out a little bit is just imagining that that is one of your clients instead of it being your nine oh. to five dragging you down. So it's mm -hmm. like, it's just your biggest client, yeah, like, you know, yeah, and like yeah. they're paying you the money, so you got to do it, but it's your biggest client. And then when that's, that's over, it's on to the next. Yeah, that's a so good it's just a perspective it, change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rather than I'd that thing that takes all your time. Yeah, yeah, I know, and it's like, and also thinking of it as something that's completely unrelated to the thing that you're doing. Right. Thinking of it as the thing that you just have a contract for, <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> and you're mm -hmm. doing a majority of the time. But I'd be curious to know down in the, in the comments below. You know, like. Where do you sit right now? Are you a full-time creative or are you new to the game? You're trying to get to that place. What kind of hurdles are you facing and what kind of tips do you have? Because I think this is largely an experience for, for all of us to learn from each other. So I think that'd be really, really cool to, uh, to learn from everybody. Yeah, certainly. I mean, if we want to get into some uh, some tips, I mean, it wouldn't be very honest of us since I think both of us are kind of screwing this up, <laughs> work-life balance thing. But, <laughs> but uh, I, what I can say is that I have acknowledged the problem. I have publicly acknowledged the problem here on the podcast and also on uh, on the vlog over on the Galaxy channel. And, you know, now it's now it's about addressing that yesterday i did do a bit of a workout for the first time in a while a little bit of meditation i find the the best way for me to meditate is if i just like go in the bath turn off all the lights and uh and just sit like in a dark room and have it actually be quiet i live in downtown toronto so there's always a lot going on so for me i need yeah. kind of a sensory deprivation thing but yeah, doing uh, doing those workouts, planning it out, you know, scheduling it the same way that I've yeah. been scheduling client work or my content, like put it down on paper so that you're like, oh, I have to do uh, a workout right now and, and that type of thing, I think is definitely going to be helping me. Uh, and again, mm -hmm. like on the, to on the topic of scheduling, right? Like uh, you want to schedule a date with your girlfriend. I know you can't go out right now, um, but it's Alexa, right? Alexa, right. Alexa, and she's not a robot that made by Amazon. We have, yeah, we've, not that I know of yet. We have confirmed it. I'm a pretty good researcher, and I haven't been able to <laughs> uncover any uh, conspiracies on that front, right? But uh, yeah, things like that. Every day I wake up and I take my dog Sonia for a walk every single day, right? First thing, right? Brew up my coffee, take Sonia, then I come back, then I can work. So yeah, just having a little bit of. Uh, a little bit more self-care and 
yeah, not, not coming from a desperate place. I think that's really like in terms of, uh, if I'm going to give like a business tip here, you never want to operate from a place of desperation in your business. You always want to operate from a place of confidence and, uh, you want to be sure that like every decision that you're making is the best, uh, decision. And yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes or all the time taking care of yourself is uh, a big part. Of that, so. <laughs> I love that you brought that up. Um, cause that was something I was thinking about because when I said my tip, I was like, that doesn't help with balance. That helps with yeah. perspective, but in yeah. motivation perhaps. But the, 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 the scheduling part is really important on, I uh, depend regardless of your full-time or part-time, like they both have their thing. And so like, the one thing I think for everyone to understand is like as a creative, um, especially as a full-time creative, I assume like, um, that schedule is going to get like disregarded from time to time. Like there, the time, time, your, how you spend your time, uh, in a creative sense is like not exactly like a nine to five kind of book it all the time. Right. You have a client who calls, has an urgent request. So you got to go in random, uh, a new client, you got to go in like there's there's so there are so many factors um, that kind of come in like deadlines or whatever. And, and so like that schedule is going to you're not going to be able to follow that schedule all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's OK. And I think that's going to be the big thing that I think we want to get across here is like set your schedule and try and like and like your routine and try to follow it. And if it doesn't work out and like there's a week where it's all effed up, like it's cool. Like don't disregard it and like throw it out because you think it doesn't work. Just keep exactly. just keep doing it. If you need to make changes, make some changes, but keep trying to to have that, like Jared said, set that time aside mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. to to do the other things and experience the, uh, everything else. Definitely. Um, it's but, a lot like yeah. uh, if you're if you're trying to quit drinking or quit smoking or something like that. Right. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I didn't drink for a week. And then you have one uh, Mitch Lob Ultra. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then you go and get a 60 a Jack. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. That's, it's not how it works. It's like, okay, you had one Mitch Lob Ultra, maybe have like two more, and then tomorrow try not to drink any Mitch Lob Ultras at all, right? That's right. So yeah, don't just uh, don't give up and don't don't try to hold yourself to a standard of being perfect, right? It's more you're absolutely yeah. right, Michael. It's more about getting getting those good habits in place. And that doesn't happen right away, right? So like if you're listening to this and you've been either in a position uh, where that Michael's in where you're you know, pretty pooched from your nine to five and you're trying to do some creative work on the side and really trying to bring the motivation and passion to it. Or, you know, whether you're coming from more of a perspective of uh, my perspective, which is like that of a full-time creator, just like, just don't beat yourself up. Give yourself a little bit of room. Uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta allow your mind to go to, <laughs> sometimes we push our mind to a lot of extremes. Like I think when I'm shooting, that's pretty much like about as extreme as it gets, especially when I'm doing like a live setting. Uh, you know, there's so many things to think about. Are all the cameras yeah. on? <laughs> Are we switching the, you know, switching between the cameras well enough? Is the sound Is my battery charged? Clear? Is my battery yeah. charged? Luckily, man, this Canon, I'm telling you, this episode of Photography Brothers is brought to you by Canon because <laughs> I started with two bar, two out of four bars. We're sitting at 25 minutes in here. I still got two bars. Wow. It's freaking nuts, man. It's freaking nuts. But yeah, Look don't beat that. yourself up. Um, uh, shoot cannon and try <laughs> to uh, try to try to be easy on yourself. Try to take some time off. Disregard the cannon statement and Jared's spot on. <laughs> yep. Anything else on uh, on work life balance, Michael? I think that's good. I'm more so interested in uh, seeing if uh, anyone else has something to teach us. Yeah, so yeah, let's definitely. See. We love comments. We love comments. If you're watching yeah. uh, on YouTube, please uh, leave us some comments. And maybe you also have some comments on our next segment, which is the Photography Brothers News. Okay. Welcome to Photography Brothers News, where we bring you the latest and greatest news uh, and on the topic of photography. And today's news story is no exception. Michael Costa has brought us a great topic. Uh, we all had a great time 
digesting that and working through the topic today. And I hope that uh, everybody enjoys this news story. Definitely got uh, the old gears turning in my head, in my nerdy mind. Uh, there are a lot of things to think about in relation to this news story. So let's get into it. Uh, another one from Petapixel. We have a news story here. Shutterstock bets 75 million that photography won't always involve cameras. Whoa. Yeah. Scary title. Sc scary title. So basically uh, what Petapixel is talking about here is Shutterstock's acquisition of a little company called Turbo Squid. Um, do you mind telling the people what Turbo Squid does? Turbo Squid is like uh, a 3D render stock company. Mm -hmm. um, so you can find like, uh, for example, uh, you know, some of you might go and click on the link uh, and you'll end up on the on the blog post uh, that uh, kind of covers this. Um, it, there's like an image of a, of a mug and there's, there's coffee, uh, in it, and, and it's been, uh, manipulated by some sort of graphic designer who, uh, created that. And, and, um, it's kind of like an alternative for, um, visual assets. Mm. Uh, alternative. And if you, uh, really read into the title here, maybe a replacement, I don't really think so. Um, but, yeah. but we'll definitely, we'll definitely get into it. Uh, yeah. So turbo squid is this big company that makes these 3d renders. Uh, and this is kind of a new, new approach to stock photography. Um, and it's actually become a lot more popular, uh, ever since the lockdowns and everything related to COVID photographers haven't been able to get out and shoot as much as usual. So uh, companies are starting to find some different ways of getting new stock photos. And uh, this is one of them, being able to do it kind of as a, uh, like a digital render instead of an yep. actual photo. Similar, uh, similar to what we've seen in movies before, right? Like instead of actually using, uh, using videography, you're instead um, building it with CGI inside of a computer. Um, so Shutterstock uh, is interested in getting into that game and they're doing that in a big way here with the purchase yeah. of TurboSquid. Uh, and with that purchase, they get all of the photos, uh, all of the IP that TurboSquid has, uh, along with all of their talent, all of the people, all of these artists who are really good with um, 3D render software, uh, mm -hmm. and all of the customers as well of TurboSquid. So yeah. pretty, uh, pretty interesting stuff here. Uh, two things that I wanted to go into, I'll try to like be brief on this, but I do think that it's enlightening and uh, it's really going to help everybody understand the story a lot better if we go a little bit into the history of Shutterstock. Uh, and mm -hmm. then I want to tell you guys a little bit about some stuff that uh, I know about 3D rendering and how this is actually working, how these artists are able to do that stuff. Uh, and I'm sure Michael will have lots of insights to uh, to bring as we dive in here. Cool if I talk about uh, Shutterstock for a while. Yeah, yeah. All go for right. it, man. All right, all right. I'm I'm excited to do it because because uh, this is a pretty cool story. So uh, Shutterstock was founded by John O'Ringer, who is now a billionaire. He has a net worth of a billion dollars, which means that he has a billion dollars in his bank account, right, Michael? Yes. No, that is not no. what net worth is. <laughs> <laughs> That's I got what, you. I know. I, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> it's like uh, the worth of all of his assets and his... Yeah, yeah it's and, the yeah. Worth, of, worth of all of his stuff if he sold his house yeah. and everything. Um, yeah, so he's 46 and he is worth a billion dollars, uh, which means uh, I've only got about 16 years before I'm going to have a billion dollars, I'm assuming, um, with yeah. the current, current trajectory. Um, yep, so he uh, was born in New York State. He is kind of a computer nerd, but also kind of a rad guy. We'll see. Uh, he starts doing um, computer programming on his uh, super old school Apple computer. 
Uh, and at the same time, he is uh, doing guitar lessons uh, for cash. So pretty interesting. Oh, are you an ah. Apple dude? I never even knew that. Are you an Apple guy? Uh, yeah. Well, oh for the most God. part. We'll talk about although, this Although my, my working... Well, hey, I edit all my <laughs> content on a PC. Okay. But right. Thank that, God. that was more recently. Okay. Thank I still God. got my iPad. I got my MacBook. Oh I got my Anyways, AirPods. All whatever. that stuff. We already have enough to fight about with Sony. Don't even start bringing <laughs> Apple into this mess. Um, yeah, he eventually gets uh, a Master of uh, Science in Computer Science. I guess that shouldn't shouldn't uh, surprise anybody since he ended up coding this uh, crazy uh, company on the internet. Um, and even back then, he was starting small companies, uh, doing things like pop-up blockers, uh, firewalls, accounting, uh, copyright management. I think that last one is going to uh, really be ringing some bells here. And all of these companies are based on uh, subscription models with him as the only employee. So he's doing everything himself. Something that I tried wow. to do for a while uh, with very little success. <laughs> uh, this dude seemed to uh, be crushing it. He found Shutterstock in 2003. He shot 100,000 photos uh, and then edited down to 30,000, which is what he initially uploads onto the website. Guess what camera he used to shoot these photos? Don't say Canon. The Canon oh, Rebel, okay. the original Canon Rebel. Um, again, you know what? These news, I gotta, sh I gotta, I gotta call some people out here. You news writers out there, you guys in your articles, you never get specific about the cameras, okay? And this yeah. came up with the Brainy photo. You can't just say that they shot it on a Nikon DSLR. That could mean anything. That could mean a camera <laughs> literally from like two hundred dollars that I can buy right now like at the uh, freaking take out of the garbage someone threw it in the garbage probably, <laughs> and it would be a nikon dslr and you'd throw it in the garbage um yeah <laughs> and it's maybe worth 150 at the freaking uh i don't know the pawn shop to exactly. to a camera that yeah. costs like ten thousand dollars like those are nikon yeah. dslrs right so anyways um no nobody says specifically but it's 2003 canon rebel you're probably talking about the 300d uh not a great camera uh by today's standards obviously but this yeah. is what the man shot his photos on so we have thirty thousand photos in 2003 uh subscription-based model and three years later we have about six hundred thousand photos wow unreal uh, yeah shutterstock is headquartered in new york city now they have 200 million photos and 10 million videos and about 700 employees uh so pretty interesting thing here and with uh the the thing that i want to point out here with acquiring turbo squid um, they're spending a lot of money on this, man. $75 yeah. million. Uh, if we yeah. look into what uh, the company has been making, they usually make about $160 million a quarter, at least like last year. That's basically what they did. So yeah. that's a tenth of their revenue, dude. That's a tenth of their yearly revenue that they're dropping to buy this Turbo Squid thing, this uh, 3D rendering. Um, they, they obviously have a lot of faith in it, man. Like 10, uh, thinking about spending 10% of my like company's money on anything. Like I spend it on employees. That's for sure. Right. On like my freelancers yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah. but like a, on like a piece of software or anything, I couldn't imagine. Like it's, that's a, that's a heavy, heavy investment. I just want to point out actually, yeah. <laughs> it, ironically, um, the, the 75 million figure is pretty close, uh, to what Shutterstock pays all of their employees if you take their oh, salaries wow. and add them up you get pretty close to that number actually so well they must be looking at it almost in a similar light right like you bring on employees it's an initial investment that's going to mm -hmm. help you grow in the companies with the company's objectives right and mm -hmm. so like mm -hmm. they got to have some really smart people looking monitoring uh trends and and they this this must be a really big growing trend that they think that this is going to grow exponentially even more in the next you know few years or or even more um so it's almost similar in that way it's just it's an initial investment for for long-term growth so yeah. it's interesting I'm, I'm i'm curious to see how much you know how much of this do we see you know uh, in in collateral moving forward with brands that we know um, yeah it's going to be interesting to see yeah 
Shutterstock is like pretty much on top. Uh, Adobe Stock is a close competitor, and there's mm. obviously Getty Images. Getty Images yep. is not doing any of this. Like they're sticking to old school photography. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think yeah. Shutterstock would be making this this substantial of an investment if they didn't think that this was something, uh, you know, that this is where the future is going. So pretty interesting yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, uh, another important thing to note is that this is not their first big acquisition. Um, even like in the early days of the company in 2009, I guess that's like six years in, uh, they bought big stock, which was one of their biggest competitors in the space mm -hmm. of stock photos. Uh, and recently in 2015, they bought Rex features, which is like a press, um, stock photo thing and, uh, premium beats, which obviously doesn't do photos. They do like music and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and sound effects and whatnot. Um, yeah, uh, another thing that I just want to highlight quickly here, because it is super relevant, um, Shutterstock introduced, and uh, uh, definitely to photographers, this is relevant. Um, you've, you've never shot uh, stock photos for like a service like this, right, Michael? I have. Oh, I've you have? done it. Oh. I haven't been successful, Oh. Uh, but I have, there was a point in time where I, I tried tried doing it for a little while and, okay. and seeing what happened, yeah. You didn't make much money. I didn't make any money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This seems to be uh, the yeah. experience of a lot of people, like not making a whole lot out of the gate. And yeah. now they've even changed things. So uh, last year they introduced a new royalty structure. Um, and basically the way that their uh, royalty structure has always worked is that they you put your photos on there. Um, as a photographer, you maintain the right to the photos. Um, yeah. But basically when they license out the photos, to people, uh, depending on how many licenses they give out, they pay you like a certain percentage. So now it's like a tiered thing. Uh, there's basically six tiers. At the highest tier, you're getting paid 40%. And at the lowest tier, you're getting paid 15. And now here's yeah. the big change. It resets every year. So the people who are, you know, the people who have been on the service for a long time, photographers who have yeah. established themselves on the service, they would just automatically be in tier six because they've been around for that long. Now it depends on how many, like what your performance, how many photos get licensed within a year period shows oh. you what tier that you're going in. So before, if you were like an experienced photographer selling a lot on Shutterstock, you would just automatically be making like 40%. Now you yeah. have to be constantly uploading photos to stay at that level. That's the difference. Now. That's so interesting. Wow. Well, what does okay. it remind you of? What does it remind you of, of, of where creators are getting paid uh, based on their performance in the last 12 months? I don't know. It doesn't sound uh, familiar to me at all. I don't know. Maybe people are watching <laughs> us through it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot like the uh, the YouTube model. So yeah, pretty, uh, pretty wild stuff here. Um, and maybe uh, bad news for photographers. And now they're trying to uh, replace the photographers. Um, all together, no, not really, <laughs> but at least <laughs> at least supplement um, what the photographers can do, especially with uh, this new lockdown world that we're living in. So, yeah, pretty wild, man. Yeah, you know what? I think the other perspective to look at it from is, you know, we I was I mentioned earlier how they could, you know, we it could be just a, a, a growing market that they see getting really big. Um, you know, we mentioned the initial investment and whatever, but the the other perspective is that you know, they just see it being a growing market that's that won't actually eclipse photography, but mm -hmm. it's still a market and they want to own the digital visual assets. Yeah. In, market, in the, in the same right? way that CGI hasn't replaced movies, right? Like people still shoot yeah. movies on cameras. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But there's also fully CGI movies as well. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah, I mean, when you have articles like this, um, yeah, you mean Shutterstock bets 75 million that photography won't always involve cameras. I think yeah. that's a little aggressive. A little clickbait. That's a right? little aggressive. Yeah yeah. 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 Maybe, man. Maybe. And, uh, you know, we don't want to stoke the the flames of fear in, <laughs> yeah. in that respect. But I mean, in, in yeah. any circumstance where working photographers are getting a bit of the shaft, uh, you know, that's not something no. that makes me happy, obviously. So yeah. Um, yeah, man. But just uh, a few more things that I want to get in here. Um, very, very interesting. Where I've actually seen this stuff uh, in my work 
um, is in real estate. There's a lot of agents who aren't staging anymore. They're like virtually staging, which means mm. that you have like a CGI artist come in and they put in a nice coffee table. They put in a nice thing. And this definitely lines mm. up with like the, the capabilities of uh, digital renders is that making stuff like tables, like physical objects is definitely something that they can do. Definitely something that they excel at. Um, stuff like human faces and things like that is where it, it's hard, right? Yeah. Uh, but tables and chairs and whatnot, um, in terms of, and couches, like to stage a house virtually, pretty easy to do. And this is crazy, man. I found out that um, Ikea has been doing this forever and literally no one has noticed. Since 2014, <laughs> literally, like this is nothing new. Since 2014, Ikea catalogs have been at least 75% CGI. That's unreal. Isn't that nuts, dude? Yeah. I've I, I looked nuts. through these. Yeah. We've all held this in our hands and looked yeah. through it. I Never for a second. Did you ever think that it was CGI? Never, never. No, I, I similar to you, when I read that, I was really really surprised because yeah. i don't know who they're going through specifically if it's internal or what it is really good looks good man it looks good yeah. and even some of the stuff that i've seen like even at the the level that i'm working at in real estate like some of the stuff yeah. that people are able to do in terms of virtual staging is pretty incredible so it makes sense right from the from the end consumers i mean like yeah. from not no i know it, it takes away from some of your business um right but it's like not uh, really i mean they still need videos <laughs> they still need video they still need video but i mean yeah like you don't have to worry about it being clean you don't have to worry about yeah. like physically staging or, or sourcing stuff yeah, it's bringing in a no. bunch of couches and a big freaking truck and stuff forget yeah it. exactly so yeah. i mean there's probably a bit more of a cost to getting somebody to do this i don't know what the the software uh how comprehensible the software is or how easy to use it is but oh, um, i'm assuming Michael, that it's quite you want to know how easy to use the software is specifically and which software that you would use and uh what? the hardware requirements that you would need to run such software did this i just is, queue you up this is why we're doing a podcast with jared poirier the research <laughs> the researcher extraordinaire um so let's talk about how these uh these these beautiful images um stealing money out of the pockets just ripping the pockets out of photographers uh how all this is being done uh by these digital artists how are they robbing photographers here so <laughs> um basically there are three big pieces of software that i researched and these are some of the most popular um, basically, if you had a combination of these three, you could pretty much do anything uh, in the world of CGI, as far as I can tell. Um, these are ZBrush, Blender, and Octane, mm. and there are quite a few other programs, um, but these are the big ones that I could find. Uh, ZBrush is a modeling and sculpting software. <clears throat> so um, basically very similar to like sculpting a piece of clay, how you make models for video games and stuff like that, uh, and for movies as well. Uh, some of the places where you've seen uh, this software, ZBrush, in action. Um, this is the software of choice for ILM, which does all the Star Wars stuff. Uh, Weta Digital, mm -hmm. which does uh, Peter Jackson stuff. Um, so we're talking... Um, They've worked on Avatar. Um, they've worked on Lord of the Rings, like that Gollum thing. Probably they built Gollum right here in uh, ZBrush. And uh, Kong, District 9, all of those uh, films wow. as well. Yeah, really yeah. interesting stuff, man. Um, as well as uh, Epic Games are uh, a big user of uh, ZBrush. Um, they made Fortnite and uh, the Unreal Engine and all that type of stuff, which has made like game development explode. So they're yeah. very important. Well, they've also taken yeah. over the Rocket League franchise. Oh, wow. As well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so definitely, uh, definitely consequential here with the ZBrush. Um, mm -hmm. Blender just seems to be like the software that does everything. 3D modeling, texturing, rigging, uh, fluid simulations, smoke simulations, particle and soft body simulations, sculpting, animating, motion graphics, video editing, everything it seems like you can do in Blender. Uh, and Octane, now this is the one that uh, is probably the most important because this uh, Octane software mostly uses your graphics card and uh, it is able to produce the most photorealistic images. 
um, hmm. by by basically um, bypassing the other hardware on your computer and focusing down on having a good graphics card. Uh, that's how Octane is able to uh, to render photo real really quickly. So definitely nice. some interesting stuff. Uh, if you guys wanted to try some of this stuff at home, um, it used to take like a computer that you would need to like start a business and then take out a bank loan or maybe like even rob a bank, I guess, would be another option if you wanted to do some <laughs> 3D renders. Um, it's gotten uh, a lot more accessible. You don't probably have to rob a bank anymore. Um, you do have to have Leave a Leave the ski good... mask at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you do probably have to have a pretty decent computer. Uh, four to eight gigs of RAM will get you by with most of this software. Um, for um yeah you know pretty a pretty decent uh processor you know maybe two to four cores definitely at least two maybe four cores would be nice uh and then obviously for octane you need uh, a really good graphics card but other than yeah. that this you probably have a computer sitting in your house where you could do some 3d renders so interesting yeah. uh interesting stuff right yeah yeah and to that point like the base level spec on computers are getting better and better and then even just being able to build your own computer, like the resources are more and more accessible. So For it's, sure, um, if it's yeah. something where you see yourself getting excited by the idea of doing this, um, to, to Jared's point, I think it's, um, it's something that's not unrealistic. No, definitely not, man. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I even have a little bit more detail on that being the mm. nerd that I am not to bore everybody. <laughs> but I think we got a little no, time left. We got like knowledge expert, minutes. not not nerd. Knowledge, knowledge expert. expert. I kind of nerded out on this, man. I watch this channel called uh, <laughs> Corridor Crew. Uh, if you guys oh, have, man. have you ever checked them out? Oh, you know what? I might be thinking of Blue Quarter. No, no oh, anyways, I'll send them to you after. Um, we'll, we'll maybe <laughs> okay. link them down in the description. But uh, Corridor cool. Crew, they're a, they're a pretty big channel, a little bigger than a little bigger than the Galaxy channel. But that's all right. Maybe one day uh, we'll have them on. You know, just a little cross promotion. Um, but they do uh, digital effects, and they have a really good breakdown of how to get uh, realistic digital images, and especially like to composite them into real scenes. Uh, which seems to be what a lot of this uh, turbo squid business is all about. A uh, few things that they uh, show in, I think they show this really well in their impossible domino run video. So I'll definitely link that so you guys can check it out. Uh, having a real world reference is a big part of it. So if you have mm -hmm. like a lot of photos to reference, let's say you're trying to build a stock image of a fence, you're going to want to uh, you know, if you're going to want to build that with like 3D render software, have a lot of photos of fences around that you can reference. Uh, another really important thing is uh, using HDRI imaging. So that's high dynamic range imaging. We've talked about this before, actually. Um, high dynamic range imagery essentially is just capturing like the most of the light that you possibly can. And the way that you do that is by going down to like, uh, you know, underexposing your image, taking a properly exposed image, and then taking an overexposed image and stacking them together. And that's how uh, you're able to get like a really um, robust read of like all of the light conditions of a certain space, kind of pair that with like a panoramic thing. And then you can use those light conditions like that information to make your 3D render look a lot more realistic. So uh, you, you literally could do it with any like with an SLR, you could do it with like a freaking Nikon, uh, whatever. Nikon uh, mm -hmm. crop sensor or something. You could do an HDR image. So pretty interesting. Uh, again, accessible. Um, and then a few other things that they do just to make things look a little bit more realistic is um, adding some extra directional lighting uh, in these programs like Blender and uh, adding imperfections as well as something that really uh, improves the uh, photorealistic nature of digital renders. So I just thought that that was super interesting there. And again, uh, places where it excels, which makes perfect sense when we talk about the IKEA stuff and the real estate, um, doing like physical objects, couches, chairs, walls, buildings, all of these things, pretty, pretty simple to do uh, in a photorealistic way, but like human faces and things like that, you're, you're still gonna need photographers for a while, I think. Yeah. Interesting. You know what? I think like some of the uh, accessibility points that we referenced uh, paired with, you know, a conversation we were having earlier in the podcast around being able to adapt and and introduce new aspects to your business. Like, you know, odds are if you're doing uh, content creation on a 
on a semi-consistent basis, you probably have a, a computer that can handle the content. Um, and so you might already have a device that's capable of, of, of doing this. And so if you see it being, uh, another thing you want to add to your portfolio, then, um, that might be something for you to do. Yeah. Is it going to replace photography? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no, no, I don't yeah. think so. I don't think uh, Shutterstock thinks so. I don't think even Petapixel thinks so. I think they just want yeah. people to read the article. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which, I, which go read the article. We'll, <laughs> we're going to link it down in the description. But uh, definitely um, interesting to dive into here. Uh, definitely interesting to get your perspective uh, here, Michael. And I appreciate everybody uh, letting me nerd out a little bit here. Uh, I just thought that it was uh, some pretty interesting stuff and uh, maybe something that we'll get into a little bit more in the future on uh, on Photography Brothers or maybe on my vlog. Maybe I'm going to try some of this stuff out. Maybe I'll get myself... Uh, a blender or something like that and uh i have a blender upstairs but you I use a blender it for smoothies. Yeah. that's sick man well bring yeah. it down let's do some, let's do some <laughs> plug photos, it in <laughs> like make, some shutter, make some shutter yeah. stock money i don't know how it works man i never like, you're the one who's uh stock photo stock photo pro here but i guess no <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh don't come to the photography brothers for uh advice on how to make money off of stock photos <laughs> not yet Ma making money off of photos we've done though so we can tell you a little bit about that yeah and yeah. uh i think i think that's today's uh show man it's been a good one that's, it's been a good one. I hope that uh, all of our listeners out there uh, enjoyed the um, sultry sound of our voices coming uh, through your earbuds. Uh, we hope that all our viewers on YouTube enjoy seeing the brothers with their eyeballs mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, potentially, um, potentially learning a little bit more about photography along the way. So it's been fun michael thank you so much for uh for being here thank you as always for your contributions to the podcast uh thank you to editor sydney for editing the podcast and thank, thank you, you thank you to you our audience and uh we'll see you next week have a good one guys <laughs>